A warm welcome to our Thursdays with David Foster Wallace series, where we every week read a section of the infamous Infinite Jest with the hope, of course, of finishing the book by the end of the year. Today's episode is a little different because we're going to talk about DFW's life and works, so let's get right into it, shall we? I want to use this episode as a vehicle through which to answer some of the questions about Infinite Jest that we've just been pooling up with since we first started in January. I think a lot of them are related to and can be answered by the man behind the text, so it's been pretty cool for me at least to research him and be able to think, okay, that's why he wrote this part like this, or that's why the book is structured like that. As a quick example, one of the first questions that I had and one of the first things that I learned through this research was that DFW liked footnotes and endnotes because for him they were, quote, almost like having a second voice in your head. And that's exactly how he uses them in IJ, so next time I read an endnote I'm going to think about the satisfaction that DFW got from the plurality of voices that he was able to draw out from his text using them, which is pretty cool. I've also drawn from a lot of fun sources for this episode, so make sure to catch all of my citations in the description. David Foster Wallace, one of the most iconic postmodern American writers in my opinion, to start, was born on February 21st, 1962 in Ithaca, New York. He got his bachelor's degree from Amherst College in 1985 and was in the middle of his master's degree in creative writing from the University of Arizona, cough my hometown, when he published his first book, The Broom of the System, which most people just call broom for some reason. Um, From there, DFW went on to publish one other novel, Infinite Jest, of course, as well as several collections of short fiction, and he also got a MacArthur grant in 1997, all before his death in 2008. He also has two posthumous works, The Pale King and Both Flesh and Not, the former of which serves as his third novel, which was pieced together from an unfinished manuscript by his longtime editor, Michael Peach. So now we get to my second question after the footnotes one, which is Infinite Jest's obsession with tennis. I knew from a teacher that taught at my high school that DFW was a serious tennis player at some point in his life, but beyond that, I had not a semblance of what was going on. What I found out was that DFW was really good as a junior tennis player, but he realized early on how useful tennis was as a literary device. This might be more hoax than fact, but that's what I have read. The New Yorker article about DFW and tennis in the description is really beautifully written. It gets a gold star from me because it's self-aware about literature while being informative about the history of tennis and literature together, but the author notes that DFW recognized the literary value of tennis early on, like I said, which I pretty much agree with in terms of their justifications for it. In Infinite Jest, it's clear that DFW has honed his ability in thinking and writing about tennis to the point of exactitude, and DFW's father was also an English professor, so it seems to me from reading IJ that that was something on his mind maybe for decades before writing it. The author of the New York Times article also goes through DFW's history about writing about tennis, from his first short story about the game to his later writings about it, so it's a really interesting thought on that subject and this author. I have a quote from that article, quote, Tennis draws the obsessive and brooding. It is perhaps the most isolating of games. 
Even boxers have a corner, but in professional tennis, it is a rules violation for your coach to communicate with you beyond polite encouragement, and spectators are asked to keep silent while you play. Your opponent is far away, or, if near, is indifferently hostile. My third question about the book is about DFW's relationship with Infinite Jest itself. Something that I came upon relatively early in my search was the fact that DFW had problems writing after he published it because he was worried that he could never surpass it in terms of its quality, its magnitude, which is something that I never considered as I was reading the novel. I don't know why. It seems pretty obvious to me that, that now that I'm thinking about it, but um, that this was an over like an all or nothing piece for him and I knew just the magnitude of what I was reading from the first page of the introduction but it hit me differently when I found out that magnitude was really felt so personally by the author himself. I sort of thought that was something brought on by the literary community afterwards which may or may not make sense as I'm thinking about it more. There's an interview that I watched parts of where DFW talks about the editing process of Infinite Jest, for example, and how it was much longer originally, um, the book was at least, and had to be cut down, but what I really gleaned from the interview was his attempt to bridge the gap between literature that was unbearably, unbearably academic for the sake of being unbearably academic, and literature that was unbearably academic but still fun and enjoyable to read. I mean, an example for me for this would be The Sound and the Fury. It is very academic, but it's also just a fun read. I would also argue that Ulysses by James Joyce is in this category, but there are some books out there, I don't want to throw any names out, that are just basically to be academic for the sake of being academic, and I really enjoy the fact that DFW wants IJ to fall in the fun category. There is this conversation that we've touched on a couple times, even on our show, that brings up how inaccessible literature is, even nowadays still with the advent of the internet. And I agree with what he says in the interview in that a lot of literature is just unreachable, again, for the sake of being unreachable. So understanding that DFW was really coming from a point of making highbrow literature accessible and fun gives me a different perspective to go on when reading the rest of the book. Okay, and now I want to discuss a final topic related to DFW that has been at the forefront of my thoughts ever since I started reading Infinite Jest, which is, uh, what about DFW's relationship with his own mental illness? Wallace was first diagnosed, according to the New Yorker article in the description, with severe depression in the early 80s when he was an undergraduate at Amherst, and he had periods of intense depression throughout his life, including in the two years that led up to the end of his life, but what I keep coming across again and again in all of my reading on him is that while he wrote ex extensively and exclusively about mental illness, he never explicitly wrote about his own mental illness. I especially think of this in regards to his book, Brief Interviews with Hideous Men, which I read in high school on a plane ride actually to Boston, random fact, but also all the time when I'm reading Infinite Jest, even in the part recently where we find out that Hal is the one that finds his dad after he's committed suicide, 
In my mind, I keep paralleling Dr. James and Candenza, this mad genius with DFW himself, and I'm wondering, is that right to do? Does that make sense to anyone else out there? Let me know in the comments for sure. But it seems that DFW just doesn't talk about his own mental illness, even though it's such a prevalent theme, like tennis, very related to his life and his works. And it's just an interesting sort of black hole for me as I'm reading. Um, and I didn't find any comprehensive answers to this question, to be completely honest with you. Um, I mean, my research kept getting this wall when I was reading, um, and I'll just do a trigger warning for those of you who are sensitive, where I kept reading DFW committed suicide at 46 by hanging himself on his porch on September 12, 2008, and his wife Karen Green was the person who found him when she got home. And so every time I kept trying to go further and further, why didn't DFW say anything personally about his mental illness or about his process with mental illness, it just kept going to that, that he eventually did just reach the end of this mental illness after trying different drug regimens and trying to find something that worked for years and years. So before I sign off here, I just want to talk a little bit about what's going on with DHNI and what's going on in my life in order to catch you guys up to speed. So the past few weeks have been very hectic because I got a huge research grant at the beginning of this quarter at school and the research grant was being used to go on a spring break trip to Hamburg, Germany to research sustainability in the fashion industry and my research grant has been suspended due to the coronavirus outbreak. We are not allowed to travel abroad which is just, I've been a huge, it's been devastating to me because this is my second grant that I've gotten and it, this is the biggest by far so it's just been devastating and I've been recuperating as many losses as possible not only in terms of time figuring out what to do with time um, in the upcoming weeks um, but also just changing schedules canceling interviews and figuring out uh, what to do next so out of all of that comes DHNI I am trying my best, I promise you. I don't want to use this as an excuse, certainly not, because I've been busy before and I've done this show consistently. I am doing my best to get part two of episode 90 coming up to you, which goes until page 299. We are not going to have an episode on Infinite Jest next week meaning that we are going to be probably reading a larger section for the week following. So keep reading um, and I will eventually catch up to you all. If you have any questions for me or have any quips or anything like that, just please leave them on the comments section for this episode. I appreciate all of you guys' support and I am thinking and praying about you and your families, especially people who are affected by coronavirus. Um, I really do feel for communities who are um, experiencing the outbreak right now. So thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you guys on Monday. 
If you enjoyed the discussion and would like to hear more from us, there is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website, relevanceofliterature.com, under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalogue of episodes. We also have a couple of open surveys that you can find through the links in the description, so if you have three minutes while you're waiting in line somewhere, we would very much appreciate your feedback on our show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, and we'll see you next time.